I'm Katie. I'm Kylie. And this is You're Not Not Paranoid. You're an expert, Katie. Maybe. Carter. Maybe. (laughs) Hi. Hello. Happy Monday. Happy Monday. A beautiful Monday it is. Yes, we're lucky we live in Southern California. Mm-hmm. We've it's, said that before, right? <laughs> I think the well, this will be maybe later than I don't know when. <laughs> Futuristic. The Monday after this day, mm. as we're recording, is supposed to be in the 80s. Ooh, yikes. California winter. So that's fun. Yeah. I mean, it does. It's kind of not fun. And that it starts at like the first part of the day is around 40 degrees. Mm-hmm. And then by the afternoon, you're, yeah, 80 degrees. And, and it's all the very dry fire weather oh and then it's windy windy and your lips are chapped and your eyes are burning because of allergies and dryness but yep. it could be worse <laughs> yep so the rest of the country is freezing over yeah sorry about that yeah i saw a map and it was basically southern california and florida <laughs> were the only places that were above like 30 oh, or something no, and all the rest of the horrific. map was blue between that means minus, frozen. yeah, mm-hmm. and we were the orange Hot. dots on the end. And uh, yeah, but what's kind of funny is that Florida and California are completely the opposite in yeah. that it's very dry here and very humid over there. Yeah, please don't ever lump us into any sort of category with Florida. No offense, Florida. <laughs> You're just a different beast. <laughs> Although people in Florida and outside of California are like, oh, California. Those L.A. people. Yeah. Those accents and their Valley Girl talk. Mm -hmm. Like, what even is that? Like, (laughs) Yeah, I'm not like that. I'm like, sick, bro. Like, I don't even know, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. We don't talk like that, I think. And if we do, it's on uh, purpose for jokes. Mm -hmm. We think. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe you you don't agree. Maybe you're from the East Coast and you're very proper and you talk with every single syllable perfectly like this. There's no, my friend told I me she's from that East coast. Really? Where do, would you say then? Everybody mm. else <laughs> of the country? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just, mm. my friend from Washington, DC, she would tell us that everything we say just gets dragged out way longer than it needs to be. So like every word we say it, like I'm doing right now, it just like takes longer to say the word. Versus in the East Coast, generally speaking, see how my words mm-hmm. are. I'm overemphasizing that. <laughs> it's very quick, and everything they say is not like I don't know how to just differentiate yeah, talking was, fast versus just saying the word short. I was gonna say the East Coast definitely talks faster, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't say it's more precise or pronounced per se. I yeah. think if you're talking faster, you won't be pronouncing words as well. Maybe so. That's just my opinion. Battle of what do we call these accents the words battle of the babes (laughs) words (laughs) i was just trying to think of a b word i don't want to say battle of the battle of batches (laughs) yeah battle of the syllables yeah syllabattles 
syllabatic <laughs> battles. Correct. And why are we talking about this? I don't know. I've been doing that lately. I have like a weird little, let's create a weird ladder down a different rabbit hole. Okay. Which is essentially what, you know. We just did? Yeah. You can cut that out if you'd like. <laughs> what? Um, <laughs> the craziness. It's just, this is the nervous talk because the next this episode is not nice. It's yeah. a little bit very dark. It's a dark one, y'all. Yeah. But... 100% necessary to talk about. Mm-hmm. And we preface things, as you know, with our preface it <laughs> and try to make things feel less dark for a short amount of time, if possible. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's just. But here we go. But here we go. Let's get a little dark now that we've got that giggles out of our system. Let's get ungiggly. Okay. Okay. You don't have to get sad. Okay. It's sad. <laughs> it is sad, but it's also, we'll see. We'll see. We'll talk about it. Okay. Do you, me, you? Um, maybe you can go first. Okay, true, because you went first last week. Yes, and also mine's kind of like a double bummer. Oh. Okay, we'll close on the <laughs> double bummer then. Sounds good. We may have to talk about something slightly light. Yeah. Not have to. Choose to. Anyways. <laughs> All right, so... Um, so this story, this actually is a story that I saw on TikTok, which is actually kind of a ode to future and or previous <laughs> episodes that we've talked about TikTok a lot. It is very relevant, mm-hmm. you know, and TikTok makes things relevant as well. Yeah. And we're young and hip. So yeah. So get over it. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> get on board. Um, this, some of these articles came from NewYorkTimes.com and Investigation Discovery. <gasps> Our favorite. The ID channel. And uh, let's get into it. So here is the story. May 2001. This is a, um, a story involving the family members, the father named Michael Turney, uh, a daughter named the stepdaughter, of Michael named Alyssa Turney, who's 17 years old, and the his um, biological daughter, Sarah Turney, who at this time is 12 years old in May of 2001. Alyssa and Sarah are half-sisters. They actually have the same mom. And um, she passed in... Her name was Barbara. She passed in 1993 from cancer. So when the story takes place, the mother has passed away about eight years ago. But Michael raised both his daughters as if they're his own. Doesn't Wait, I'm treat confused. them. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Wait, they're the daughters are both half siblings from the same mom. The part that makes them half is they had different dads. I know. That's what half siblings. But then. No, it's okay. okay. It's okay. Ask. Ask. I was gonna say so the. So one of them is from a previous... Yes. Okay. I was getting confused. That's okay. I can rephrase that. No, 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 no. I just You're was good. jotting down my notes and I'm reading it. So essentially, it's uh, the story involves a father and two daughters. And he actually has other kids from a previous marriage. His wife, who had passed in 2000 or 1993, she also had kids, which included Alyssa. Got it. That's her daughter. She passed, so therefore her stepfather took over raising her. Because that's her dad since she was about three years old is when her mom and him. Well, I made that real confusing <laughs> met. 
Should I just start over? Wait, no, but then... Okay, no. Sorry, I'm confusing myself. That's okay. <laughs> I hope I hope it's just you. I think it's just me. But what part is confusing? I don't know the step part. <laughs> the step... Oh, because you don't have... Because your parents are still together. No, I would think... <laughs> I was just getting confused because I was like, how could they have the same mom <laughs> and then the same dad as both their dads but no, i get it not. now because yeah but i mean he's raising them raising her but so yeah. he got okay let's back it up <laughs> michael turney married barbara i think her last name is strom i hope that's right it might not be right um michael and barbara got married mm-hmm. when they got married the mom had Alyssa, no, yes. The mom had Alyssa from a previous marriage. Yes. She was three when they got married. Got it. Fast forward to 2001, this story begins, and Alyssa, who is the stepdaughter of Michael, but he treats her as if it's his own daughter. She's 17. His biological daughter, who Alyssa and Sarah shared the same mom, because when they got married, they had one cat child together. And he also had kids from a previous marriage. So he called themselves the Brady Bunch. Got it. Creepy. <laughs> um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know why, but Brady, when people refer to themselves like as the Brady Bunch, even though it's like just a show, I don't know. For some reason, I just rubbed me the wrong way. Is that weird? Yeah. Like merging our families. It's like, this is going like to be more difficult. It's like a little too happy. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Not that it cannot be a happy environment. Correct. You know what I'm saying. Yeah. Right? Like trying to, I guess when you have like a Brady brunch, Brady bunch. <laughs> wow, the Brady brunch. That's really funny. The Brady bunch facade. It's trying to be something and put on a show. That's yeah. kind of like what I imagine when I hear people say stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Anyways, we don't need to circle around that. I've already made this confusing. This is only like one line of my sorry. Oh, it's, it's okay. If you're confused, other people will for sure be confused. So hopefully that all made sense point is michael has two daughters now in this story that we're talking about and other kids that we're only focusing on these three people um so this pl- takes place in may 2001 in phoenix arizona to kind of put things in perspective Alyssa is a junior in high school and it's her last day of junior uh junior year and um she by the way this whole story is allegedly oh Okay. Um, so Alyssa goes into, I actually didn't write this down, but I read about it, that she went into her, um, I think it was her boyfriend at the time, like, like wood shop or something like that. And she's like, Hey, see you later. Like getting picked up early by my dad. Talk to you in a bit. Picks her up from school, um, Paradise Valley high school for lunch, which was obviously early for school. And then Michael says that when they got home, they had a really bad argument And it was in regards to her wanting more independence, you know, that age of -hmm. wanting to be not be smothered all the time. Um, And, you know, by the way, this story is called Justice for Alyssa. And actually, all of this is told a lot of this is told from the perspective of her sister, Sarah. So just so you kind of know where this is going. Um, And he actually did an interview with 2020 that said he was saying that the argument went, you know, like this about her seeking independence and he said quote as long as you're under my roof you're going to have to check in with daddy because daddy is a nervous wreck whenever you don't whenever you don't 
I don't know why, but whenever adults, yeah, anybody daddy. over 10 saying daddy, I just, I, I know people do that, but I don't do that. And well, I guess especially I can't relate. if she's 17. So she's, he's not talking to a little no girl. Right. But it gets deeper and this might make sense. Um, so the, um, when they had their argument, Michael said the last time he saw her, she was walking down the hallway, very, you know, frustrated and mad and upset. He left and that was the last time he actually physically saw her in person. Meanwhile, her sister, Sarah, who I believe I said was 12 at the time. Yeah. She had a school trip at a water park, like epic, you know, (laughs) everybody loves water parks. And she mentioned that her dad was actually late to pick her up that day. And so she went to a neighbor's house and said, Hey, I'm here. Like, come get me (laughs) the way everyone's parents sometimes forget (laughs) or are late. And, um, when he did pick her up, he said that Sarah, he told Sarah, the, his biological daughter, that Alyssa wasn't answering her phone and that she, he asked her to call her. And so um, when they got home, they actually found Alyssa's cell phone buzzing and vibrating in her room. And there was a note that said, quote, Sarah, you wanted me gone. Now you have it. Michael reported her as a missing person, and he also told the police that she's probably a runaway, which Hmm. I know. I wrote red flag number 500, even though the story just started. You don't tell the police that your child is a runaway. Yeah, because why would you report it? Right. And I mean, if you think they're going to come back or something. Right. But because at one point, I think she had talked about wanting to go to California or something like that. But police usually, like, I feel like you never want to detract, like, or even let the police second guess it. Like, if you are looking for your child, you say, my child is missing, period. Yeah. doesn't matter where, why, or when. Like, they're missing. Maybe they're on their way, but doesn't mean, but the use the word runaway implies don't look. Yeah, exactly. That's, like, the, I think most stories we hear, especially, like, older ones, the police classify kids or teenagers as runaways, and then they just don't really look. So I think so in 2001, he would have had to have known, like, oh, well, if I just say she's a runaway, like, nonchalant, no big deal. Like, That's keyword for don't bother. Yeah. So he, um, later on, he ended up telling the police that about a week after she went missing, he got a call from her and said, stop looking for me. Hmm. Right. And, um, how would she have known? Great question. Especially if she apparently had went to California. How, didn't have yeah. her phone. Didn't have her phone. Oh, thank you for saying that. She also, where is my note? She also left behind $1,800 in her bank account. All of her toiletries, clothes, everything. Nothing to indicate that she packed up and left. Hmm. Okay. I mean, $1,800 is a lot to yeah. a, you know, 17 year old. I mean, it's a lot to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'd be stoked on that. Please and thank you. Our Venmo is... No, just kidding. Yeah, I know. <laughs> just kidding. Um, anyways, so also to note... Um, oh, during this time... Um, so this article was actually written in 2009 that covered the case. And at this point in time when, when um, Alyssa had gone missing... Or actually, this is... Eight, eight years, years later. Um, at this point in time, 
I believe essentially what had happened, or maybe they were talking about it in retrospect. Either way, when when she had gone missing, this his children, um, even his stepchildren, had said that you know defended him like he's a good dad. He does everything for everyone. Um, you know, doesn't like basically just said that he's a good. You know, he wouldn't like he's not a he's not a suspect in this case. Like she, you know, basically defending him and what he was saying. I guess that just. <laughs> I could say just defending him and that would have covered everything I said for the last 20 seconds. So flash forward from 2009 to 2020. This just this last year, Sarah, who's now 31, she was 12 when her sister went missing. She has made it her life's mission to solve her sister's missing person case and to increase publicity for anyone to hear. Um, and the primary suspect, her own father. The one she had previously defended as a kid. She's been using Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok, and a podcast. And she has a website um, called Missing Alyssa. And she shares all the details that she knows, including very personal things, from back when her sister was abdu- uh, gone, went missing. And um, over the years, the cops hadn't taken her suspicions of her father very seriously, at least outwardly. Mm-hmm. Um, from what I read and I saw her TikToks at one point, it was like she was very frustrated because there's nobody working on the. It just felt like no one was working on the case. No traction was being made. And so she literally just went on there and was like, what the hell? And she did like, I think she did like that finger thing, you know, that finger thing where you're like, hold up five fingers, put a finger down if, you know, if your sister went missing, put a finger down if you suspect your father did it. Like she did Mm -hmm. that. And she said that she kind of used TikTok and like that dark humor kind of environment to really get her story shared or to Mm -hmm. share her story rather. Um, And so that kind of helped spread the word and get publicity because of course, if there's social pressure, then, Mm -hmm. then you'll get more um, actual cases you know i can't i talk today (laughs) (laughs) more pressure to see what's going on on this case um let's see so a little backstory so flashback the story um then goes back let me see one more thing hold on so this story kind of takes a couple turns um for those who actually knew Alyssa really well who were close to her they commonly referred to the stepfather as seem more like a quote disturbed um or excuse me described the, her relationship with her stepfather as closer to an quote abusive boyfriend than a father figure Ooh. and he was very possessive yeah super you so come to find out he would actually surveil her inside and outside the house nope and he would go to her work at her part-time job and wait for her outside to make sure she was actually there. Jeez. Yeah. We've covered stories like this before where the boyfriend yeah, or stalker the boyfriend, is waiting yeah. for them outside their work. Um, and Michael would tell people, um, he'd like warn her friends and the friend's parents that she's super gullible and she can't take possibly take care of herself. That's why he's overprotective and, um, you know, of course to probably justify his behavior Mm -hmm. say oh this is normal and he described Alyssa as quote quite a handful a little pistol 
Some might call it difficult to deal with, but I took it as a challenge. Mm, no, Barf. thank you. And this, it's just, there's so many levels of this that get worse and worse. Um, he actually made her sign a behavioral contract that included a clause stating that he never sexually assaulted <gasps> or physically abused her. No. Mm-hmm. He, at one point later on when he was interviewed, was like, said that he read a psychology, took a psychology class or something and said that that's a good thing to do with your kids. Hmm. Not, let me back up. It's uh, good to have them sign a behavioral contract or something like that. Like just to kind of put it in their heads to be like good kids. But come on. Really? It says that you, I didn't abuse you. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. So at one point during this whole thing from, you know, when she's trying to get promote the case, Sarah posted a video that was from 2000. And it's a YouTube video of him actually watching Alyssa outside of her work. How that video got, I have no idea. Um, detectives have also learned that there was surveillance inside the house. Ooh. So this is where it's going to jump around a little bit, but we'll get there. Um, so they found that out. And let's see. Da, 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 that there was a camera inside of a vent in the living room. Mm. And, you know, of course, he says it was just in there to keep an eye on his kids for their own safety. Um, but, oh yeah, here we go. Leading up to, um, leading up to her disappearance, he had gone through like video footage and he turned over videos of Alyssa and he says boys. I don't know what that means. Leading up and the months prior to her disappearing, he turned over those videos to the police saying, hey, these could be possible suspects because Mm -hmm. they were in the house when probably they weren't supposed to. And -hmm. he caught her on camera, so to speak. Um, And, you know, they said, well, what about the footage from that day Mm. that she actually disappeared? Couldn't provide that footage. Of course not. But he had footage for the months leading up to it. Um... Yeah, he confirmed that even though she went missing that day, and I read read flag number 605, he confirmed that he went through all eight hours of footage and there was no suspicious evidence found. I'm glad that he took it upon himself. Yeah, he sorted through it. Everything's fine. And he never, like I said, never gave that video to the police. Oh, if it gets, can't get weirder, right? He also had it set up so that he recorded all phone conversations that were incoming and also outgoing. What? I didn't even know you can do that in that period of time. Um, but go figure, no calls ever came from Alyssa during that time that hmm. were ever recorded. And again, it gets weirder. So now we're in 2008. So this is all like Sarah reflecting on this information a lot of the time. 2008, um... At one point, the detectives received more information, which actually led to the search of his house. And that's when they found the surveillance footage that we talked about earlier. And um, they also found, quote, bondage related porn videos and a disturbing film in which a woman was abducted, bound and killed. (gasps) But no, he says that has nothing to do with this. That couldn't possibly. That doesn't mean I did it. That doesn't mean I'm as involved in that. But they also found 26 pipe bombs and high-caliber assault rifles 
in a document titled Diary of a Madman Martyr. What? Yeah. Come to find out, he had been planning to bomb the local union, the Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, because he believed that there was a conspiracy that they were involved with her disappearance. So he was going to blow up the union. Yeah. He was going to blow up the building. Um... Oh, and the manifesto that made the martyr, what did I say? The man- manifesto of a martyr, ma- madman or yeah. whatever, man, man, martyr. Um, it also says that he allegedly, quote, killed two assassins. He ended up spending 10 years in federal prison, but still said he was innocent in Alyssa's case mm. and her disappearance. Um. He was released in from prison August of 2017. So he's out and about. Cool. He went on ABC News to interview and he said that he wasn't really going to blow up that place, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, quote, you can't kill anybody with a pipe bomb unless you stick it down their throats. Uh, I'm sorry. How effed up is this dude? Serious. It's like, is he be- believing himself? Clearly, like he's like why, really that. I don't think that's a good idea. I guess, like, not that I'm trying to be counsel here for <laughs> someone who's been found guilty. Like, this just seems like common sense. You don't go around and say how you would murder someone with a pipe bomb for something that you were arrested for. Yeah. Like, at what point? Like, I feel like that should be in your parole. Like, no, no, no. You're not allowed to talk about these things either. Mm-hmm. What? No. Oh, and the guns. He said that he was actually planning to take a shotgun and blow off his own head. Oh. During that time. Oh, okay. So he was going to bomb them. But not really. But not really. But also kill himself. But not really. Obviously, we don't want people to kill themselves. But mm-hmm. was was that from a guilty conscience? What is that? Mm-hmm. So all of this has been brought back into the spotlight by Sarah, where she basically brought all this up. There's been actually a lot of... Um, I want to say it was like 99% her, but uh, also, of course, the Phoenix Police Department, et cetera, and some other podcasts have covered the story too. So there are a lot more details to this that I'm not sharing. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, she has a whole podcast dedicated to just this case, her, her sister and her blog and all that. So, but six months ago, August 2020, Phoenix Police Department held a news conference and announced Michael Turney has been arrested for second-degree murder of Alyssa Turney. Dang. Officially. And according to the police, they said that the case never actually went cold and that they were working tirelessly on this. Mm. And they thanked Sarah for her passion and her love for her sister. Of course, but she never did anything. Thank you very much. So at some points in the videos, like leading up to finally them taking this seriously, so to speak, it felt the way she was portraying it was the Phoenix Police Department aren't listening mm-hmm. and they don't hear me. And she felt I think she had to get to the point of like basically, I mean, from what it sounds like pestering to some extent, mm-hmm. which is what, 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 what else are you supposed to do Yeah, for someone that you love and you want justice and you have all of this evidence and all these things like, why aren't you using this? So that's where it's kind of like gray area. Um, but when they announced the, his arrest, she was very grateful and expressed gratitude and she posted about it. And it's like, finally the day has come 
that we're going to get justice, you know, here we go kind of thing. Since then, um, oh, and then, yeah, anyways, since then, the podcast website um, and the YouTube videos all taken down. Guess what? They're all evidence now. So it's kind of gnarly. It's like real. So I went to go. I have the chills. Like I went to look up the, um, the YouTube for it. Videos aren't available. You go to her TikTok, deleted. So all these things could be used, I believe, in court. And it can't be used, I think. Like, they don't want the jury, jury. to have access mm-hmm. to it during trial. There's still a podcast called Missing Alyssa, but it has a different name of the author or the podcaster or host. Um, so I haven't listened to that one, but I'm wondering if it's same, same, but different. If that mm-hmm. was, like, their way around it so she could still share yeah. the facts, but from a different person. Because other podcasts have covered the story as well, like we're doing right now. Um, but, you know, during that um, press release, Phoenix PD said, you know, we handled the case as it came to us. In two, I know, in <laughs> 2001, Katie's making a like, seriously, <laughs> face. In 2001, the case came to them as a missing child because she was 17. I'm sorry, but... They did not treat that as a missing child or else, I mean, unless we, did they go to California? I don't know. I don't know that to be fair. Mm -hmm. To be fair, I just thought about that on the spot. Um, But seven years, apparently, it took for them to reopen the case. It wasn't until 2008 that it became a criminal investigation where they got new evidence. So apparently, um, starting in 2008 until 2020 was the working tirelessly behind the scenes for 12 years and it wasn't until 2017 so 2008 criminal investigation started 2017 released uh michael turney is released from prison Mm. 2020 arrested for second degree murder um and he was indicted by a grand jury there's a video of him being in like being indicted and they should talk about like what the restrictions are and what, you know, everything and whatnot. And it's during COVID times, right? This is August 2020. So the video is kind of like a surveillance video of him with what I'm guessing is his legal people. And um, they're all wearing masks. And they're hearing, I think he's hearing it over like a computer screen. Hearing it over a computer screen. And he's just freaking standing there with his hands in his pockets. So nonchalant. Hmm. No big deal. Doesn't even flinch. I'm just like, this has got, there, there is nobody else that would make sense, right? So yeah. it's kind of crazy, you know, for Sarah. And I'm sh- like, sh- I'm, when those videos become available again, which I'm sure they would be at some point, I would hope so. Mm-hmm. She kind of goes through the whole thing of like, live, like I was raised by this man. Believe yeah. for so long that he's innocent. And then. For it to be your own father who you trust. Everyone counted on him. He'd fix things for neighbors. Super reliable. I mean, even the pipe bomb stuff aside. Yeah. Like, either of those things are horrific. But you're both are the same person. Mm -hmm. Two completely different crimes. Same person that you're raised by. I cannot even imagine. Dude. Yeah. So that's all happening right now. I tried to look up, like, so he's been, so he's off the street obviously, um, from what I understand and going to trial for his stepdaughter's murder. Dang. Yeah. Isn't that insane? Mm -hmm. I was reading it. I was like, Oh my God. 
And her TikToks are like very passionate and very angry as they should be. Mm-hmm. I can't even, I can't even wrap my head around that. Yeah. Wow. That's, ugh. yeah, just thinking like, like her present, like thinking back to like being in the same house and afterwards, how like yeah. weird that must have been. Yeah. And, and not like to defend someone that you trust, of course. And you're like, why would I, why mm-hmm. would my dad do that? Why mm-hmm. would, you know? And then trying to play it back like you're at the water park. He was late. Like imagine yeah. putting all those pieces together. When you're older. Yeah. And then being mm. like, I can't deny this. Like the evidence is so strong that it overcomes my love and trust of my own father. Mm-hmm. Not mm. something that anyone should ever have to go through. No, that's awful. Yeah. So hopefully, I mean... Hopefully, you know, if I hear anything, can definitely, you know, mm-hmm. announce it on the podcast or on Instagram, of course. So I'm guessing they never found her? They haven't found her still. So technically, Phoenix PD was saying she's considered a missing person until a, her body is found. And I think that's what makes it second degree. Because oh, I was looking up stuff and I've seen people that are declared dead after a certain amount of time. Yeah. And I there's like, a, it's the called in absentia or something. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's kind of weird that they wouldn't have said that. Yeah, like a presumed deceased. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, yeah, I'm guessing that's the – I mean, there's probably some – I wonder if it's Arizona law, like some time period to which it would be considered. And that's what I wonder, too, if they're really getting that nitty-gritty. Does it start at 2008 now because Mm. she was a missing child? Or when does that start? When does that timeline begin? And why are we waiting seven years? Yeah. Of course, it's not easy to answer these questions. Because you would think a child, even though she was 17, would be a higher priority for missing slash like, oh, well, a young kid, like child would not be able to survive on their own or something. So you would think it would expedite. Mm-hmm. And then here criminal. it is listening to the dad. Right, who's controlling the narrative? Mm-hmm. Who knows exactly what he said? Dismissed it, no big deal. And now that exact behavior is probably what makes him look even guiltier, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the police department—they're very, very careful on how they word everything in that news release and how proud they are that they worked so hard and got this case closed. And at the end of the day, Sarah just wants justice, mm-hmm. right? That's what it's called—justice for Alyssa. Um, but I, I honestly think they could have given her a lot more credit than they did. Um, so it's just, yeah, it's kind of the same Yeah, with the Golden State Killer and they didn't really give any credit to Michelle McNamara. Yeah. Even though she was kind of the one keeping it in the, the spotlight. Yeah. I think it's like an ego thing. It's like, no, we're supposed to be doing that job. Like, not just the yeah. common folk. I think that would be really great to have, like, a... I mean, I know, like, liability purposes. Like, you have to obviously be careful. Um, and they can't release... Uh, obviously, we're not saying police are bad at all. But they can't release details and, like, what status they are in the investigation. But, I mean, if the well, if sister is jail, making... Yeah. Or a prison. If or he was in prison and the sister is making all these, at least keep her in the loop, you know? I mean, it's good that she brought light back into this investigation regardless. But if she 
from what it seemed like, she really did feel like no, nothing was being done. It's like, why let her feel like that mm-hmm. if you guys really were doing this? And if you weren't actually working on it, then give her the freaking credit she deserves. Yeah. Did she even know that it was a criminal investigation from 2008? No. It's like that should be like. That's well, what I'm saying. Yeah. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? That's what I'm saying, though. If it's family and like you're, I don't know. It's just there's no right answer, but murdering your daughter and covering it up is not obviously the answer Mm -hmm. and not giving i think some credit where credit is due is also not necessarily the answer Mm -hmm. but yeah Mm -hmm. they just called it a passion and her love is very apparent like they you can just tell the way they worded it's like so politically correct Mm -hmm. and trying to make it so that she has her name said but Mm -hmm. because she's so loving it's like no she wants effing justice obviously she loves her sister that's not a question here no one's questioning that so Hmm. Yeah, pretty close to home too. Phoenix yeah. is not far away. Yeah. Want to know more about us and stay in the loop? Join our YNP listener letter where we will keep you up to date on new episodes, give you access to choose episode topics, and share some behind the scenes. You'll see it in your inbox first. You can join our email list by signing up on our website, www.yourenotparanoid.com. See, see you there. there. Hey friend, we want you to be part of our podcast. Share a story, topic, idea, or a question you'd like us to answer, and we'll feature you on the podcast. Send it to us at you're not paranoid at gmail.com or over on Instagram at you're not paranoid, and we'll share it on the show. Want to hear your own voice on the episode? Now you can leave us a voicemail at anchor.fm slash YNP. Our pod is your pod. Now back to the good stuff. So what do you have for us, Miss Katie? <sighs> well, I don't think we really said the the um Oh, we never really said the like title. the topic. Yeah. But so it was kind of like when like the civilians or like social media is used to help uh solve a crime. Mm-hmm. Um so I think that topic's very interesting. So I kind of did I was like jumping around. I don't have like as in depth of a story as you, but I kind of have I didn't some like mean to go that in depth. Oh no, no, I meant like you actually have like a real like story. Yeah, I just kind of have like little like snippets, but then also with the title, I didn't want to like give away. I see all of these things. Ooh. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I have a like, kind of a list of podcasts you can listen to. Cool. Some of them I haven't listened to yet, but um. So I, <laughs> excuse me, the the idea of the quote unquote regular people helping to solve crimes is very Mm -hmm. interesting to me. So when I was Googling it, there's a lot of websites now that, you know, the average citizen in the U S at least can help. So there's a website called like project coldcase.org who was, or it was founded by a person named Ryan Backman. Um, his father was shot and killed during a robbery and that case, um, was unsolved. I think still unsolved. This was in Jacksonville, Florida, and that at that time, at least, there was over 1,500 unsolved murders. And what? so Ryan was like, exactly like, what the hell? Um, he kind of started educating himself, like going to conferences in Washington, D.C., like other different law enforcement, like seminars and stuff, and he founded this Project Cold Case. So their database now includes all 50 Florida counties, 45 U.S. states, and three international countries. 
Um, and it's kind of cool. So you can like upload if say like someone, you know, is missing or so they have now missing or someone who's been killed Mm -hmm. and not have their, um, they don't know who did it. Mm -hmm. Um, you can upload that onto their website and then they have some facts. So there's approximately 185,000 homicides and non-negligent manslaughter cases unsolved from 1980 to 2008. And that's from a Scripps Howard News Service um, using FBI data. And what was that number again? 185,000. What? That's from 1980 to 2008. Yeah, that's... But that's 20 years... So, okay, so... That's still a ton of people, 5,000 people a year. Am I doing that math right? Sure. (laughs) So 28 years. Doesn't matter, I guess, how many years it's been still. Um, Seriously. So then it was kind of interesting, too. It breaks down each state by the number of homicides and they call it percentage cleared. So like the solve rate. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I just like for a couple examples, uh, Wyoming has the highest solve rate at 89 percent. But there's only 498 homicides. Mm. So it's also obviously relative to the population. Right. So to put that in perspective, California, excuse me, <laughs> California has 82,463 unsolved homicides and only a 59% solve rate. So F. I know. And it's like, I don't know. I think when I think of these things, I'm like, oh, well, most stuff is solved now because of technology and stuff. No, there's not even enough. And that's where this is like a perfect example of what I think everyone kind of has that conversation in their workplace of like, this is evidence we need more manpower. Like, Mm -hmm. like everyone already is working over like overworked and understaffed and probably underpaid. Why is that not enough like, where is the, where is, I mean, I've seen, there's another movie that, or a TV show that says this. Like, where is the outrage? Mm-hmm. Where is the, why aren't we talking, why isn't anyone talking about that in a public, like completely, like I know, obviously like in our podcast or in those mm-hmm. channels, but those are the people who already know, yeah. I mean, we didn't know, but who already care. Like, mm-hmm. why isn't the news talking about this? Mm-hmm. Because the, fl- like another way to think of that is that only 59% of California murderers have been caught. Right. That's... So you have all these people that have gotten (sighs) away with murder just walking around. So, I mean, that was kind of shocking to me. I mean, I knew that, like, obviously more populous states are going to have more, like, homicides in general. But not the... But you would assume also that then they have, like, more... detectives keeps up yeah it it should be so and then another cool uh, well not i guess subject matter cool but um the utah department of public safety also kind of has their own cold case website that is available for the public to kind of look at and stuff um as of an april 2020 um article i found i think it's a local utah newspaper or news channel ksl they had four, 249 unsolved murders and 125 missing persons on that cold case website. Mm. Um, so, I mean, I think it's kind of cool that you can, like, get people. I think in 
terms of what you were saying, like get that manpower because so many people, I mean, as you can tell now with podcasting and stuff, there's a lot of people interested in true crime. Yeah, who care um, and want to like help. Yeah. And so I don't, there's the Murder Squad podcast mm-hmm. with uh, Jensen and Holes, um, who is, Jensen is an investigative journalist and Holes is um, a former detective involved with the Golden State Killer case. Paul Holes. Yeah. Um, so they have a podcast and it's kind of, I think a lot of what I've been reading about Ed Jensen, I forget what his full name is, but anywho, I <laughs> um, Jensen, um, that's really his big passion is kind of getting more people involved in helping to solve these crimes. And he has a book called um, Chase the Darkness with Me. Billy Jensen. Billy Jensen. I knew that. Okay, so Billy Jensen. So he his book, I would like to read it now after yeah. kind of doing this research, Chase Darkness with Me. And it's about how he kind of took it upon himself, so to speak, to solve these crimes that no one else was really talking about and mm-hmm. how he kind of proved that you know, one single civilian with the use of social media can really make an impact. And he said, I guess somewhere in this book, there's a quote saying that he almost went into about $20,000 in debt just doing like Facebook ads and stuff to get these cases out there. Wow. And another one that I thought was interesting was, I guess, on September 11th, 2001, Mm -hmm. um, during the attacks on the World Trade Center, there was one known murder happening in New York City at that same time and obviously like that has been a cold case because no one was there like law enforcement you know first responders and so that was one of the cases he took on I was like oh that's interesting yeah um like crime doesn't stop just because crimes are happening elsewhere Mm -hmm. and it's like they deserve the same amount of justice that anyone else does Um, so I think their podcast is really good. If you're into this, um, they actually had one of their first, um, arrests linked to their show. So that's pretty cool. That gives me the chills. I know. Oh my gosh. And so he, uh, Billy Jensen's a very big advocate. And I think, I don't know if it was on my favorite murder that I I was listening to him. It was, yeah. Where he was kind of talking about like the, what the potential future could look like. Yes. Cause I heard that episode too. Yeah. I thought it was really interesting. That was. So you can go check that out. But basically you're saying, I, he was saying, we feel like that there's enough technology and screening processes out there that if you wanted to have the general public get like screened that you should, they could theoretically be allowed to have certain access to certain evidence and stuff just because there is obviously like the archival ones, like the yeah. digital copy ones. Exactly. So then you can go like, like what, it, what, and that's what I'm asking. Like, what is the problem with manpower? Obviously if it's in the wrong hands like that, yeah. but that's a risk that anyone takes. So how many bad cops have been found? Exactly. Right. So I just think that's really cool and I would yeah. sign up to do it. Um, but so that's one podcast. Another one is that I, that I've listened to is in your own backyard. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, that's about Kristen smart who I think in the eighties was, you know, miss just supposedly disappeared off campus one night and listen, if you listen to the podcast, it seems very obvious who it was. It's just kind of a failure of 
the times, you know, technology, police, whatever. Um, but in a more recent update, I think within the last year or so, um, they, and they think it is because of the podcast that there was communication amongst the family because of the podcast and enough so that they had enough evidence or I don't know the nitty gritty details of how search warrants work, Mm -hmm. but there was enough evidence to get search warrants for all four family members in at least two different states for evidence. And I think they're saying they're taking their computers and stuff because they were talking about the podcast theoretically. So I was like, Ooh, that's a tricky way to kind of get people talking again. I don't know how, like in terms of like getting surveillance, like the perpetrators involved Mm -hmm. essentially or pot like this. That's not really the right word. Alleged. Alleged suspects. Mm -hmm. I guess you're a suspect either way. Alleged or not, you're a suspect. Yeah. So I was like, ooh, that's kind of like maybe a new tactic. Because, you know, with the Golden State Killer and like genealogy, genetics, like Mm -hmm. the 23s and me's, Mm -hmm. I was like, that might be another little way. If you make a big enough like podcast about it. Well, addresses for Alyssa. Yeah. Perfect example. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I think that's really cool. Um, and it's, I don't know if it's a spoil cause it's not in the podcast, but mm-hmm. there's been even a more recent update and the, the guy that they think did for it Kristen, uh, for Kristen, Kristen smart, smart, um, was arrested just recently on gun charges. Ah, so they're just so, trying to get him off the street and then go from there. So we don't, and that was the weird one where there was, um, I don't know if like leaked news, but it was articles saying that Kristen Smart's mom was contacted by FBI. Remember that? Saying like like a cryptic like, oh, expect to hear like news or something. Mm. And then people were like, well, would the FBI say that? No. Like that seems kind of weird. Like why? So I don't know if it was a ho- like someone messing with Ugh. them. But then there has been development. So I don't know. Weird. So yeah. that was kind of a weird part. Um, and then a couple podcasts I saw that sound interesting that I haven't read or read, <laughs> listened to, um, is Bearbrook, which is about a cold case. I mean, this whole topic, you kind of might get the gist of what these are about. Yeah, of course. Um, but that one is involves the first time that genetic techniques were used. Mm. And then one called Someone Knows Something. Oh, I've listened I think, to that. Yeah, you've that told me, me about chills. that. Someone Knows Something is really good. Yeah. SKS. So that's by the Canadian Broadcasting Company. And I think, because I haven't listened to it yet. The but CBC. It, the CBC. I think it's each season as a new person, right? Yeah. It's a, a missing or yeah. unsolved. It's really, really good. And too, like, um, like the actual, I don't know what you would call, because we don't do this. We're our own team here. But <laughs> <laughs> like uh, editor and all that production company. Because he actually, if I remember right, it's been a minute since I listened to it. He actually takes the microphone with him and wherever he is and records what's around him. So if he's going and looking at the the last place that this kid was seen, like one of them was about Adrian, um, if I remember right, he actually hear like the stomp, the crunching of oh, the leaves wow. under his boots. So you're phys- like you're mentally, physically feel like you're there. Ooh, that's so cool. it really puts you into that scene, which if you're driving a commute, it's kind of dangerous because <laughs> you get like really into it, which is when I was listening, but... It's amazing. And then he's talking about, he talks about like, oh, like right now I'm at her house and she's making me tea and you can hear the water boiling in the teapot going oh, off. Wow. So it really, like you can almost smell it. You it's can like you're almost it. like his 
sidekick. Literally, like you're a fly on the wall in this case. And like I have such chills just like hearing that. That's a really good one. I can speak to that okay, one. Okay, I'll have to listen to that one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there is one called Up and Vanished, um, which I think is similar where each season is someone different. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe some seasons have they have helped in one way or another mm-hmm. um, and up the hill i haven't heard of that one. Oh, that one's good is it well that one's good i mean i'm assuming we, we promote all podcasts <laughs> we're not gonna be like that one's bad it's the delphi murders those two young girls where they had she was i think we i don't know if we're talking about it on the it podcast sounds familiar. when you because I, I would pronounce it delphi so delphi oh. just tri- like triggered a memory for me i'm like oh that's how they say it but it's basically um a weird case that you think would be solved because one of the girls, because it's recent, so mm-hmm. smartphones, she had the enough wherewithal that to know that they were in danger and she recorded like as this dude approached them. And one of the clips that they released to the public was like a grainy, like up the hill. So that's what the name of the podcast is. Ooh, that but gave me heebie-jeebies. That one, as of the last time I looked, is still unsolved. And there's kind of like debate whether or not the police are not giving enough and uh, info out because people are so invested, right? That they they are saying like the people are saying like we could help, like let if, us help, yeah. yeah. But then it's police like no, we have more things from that video and we're not going to release it because that will give it away. Yeah, or, that you know, could what do they call um, jeopardize jeopardize? Yeah, the Assess whole case. Them, yeah, I was just not to. Not to step on your toes, just to add. There's one more. I just need to find it really fast. Well, I will just say there's just as another example is don't F with cats. Oh, yeah. You know, group of online sleuths. The secret word is sleuths. Yeah. Sleuths is. Yeah. There's a lot. I feel like. Of people who do want to help mm-hmm. and like those and then it's good to promote that that happened in those cases that people did help and did bring justice because mm-hmm. it just motivates people to keep doing it right mm-hmm. i think part of the problem too and i'm just looking for this while t- while chatting is that it's really hard to i could imagine knowing you can't pay these people mm-hmm. would be kind of a tricky thing too like okay well you can do this but we're not going to be able to do anything for you but then you could argue then they're literally only doing it for the right reasons right sorry i was just thinking oh, no, and no, talking no, yeah. out loud you're right it's true no but i could see it either way but like hey like we're solving all these cases for free like why aren't your like detectives that went to a four-year school with the criminal justice bat like degree why aren't they doing it right so i could see both yeah and then investigators alone are super this is a great conversation. There's got to be, because, <laughs> well, we were just talking about this offline, right? Like paralegals, they're mm-hmm. like an unregulated assist, like a helper for lawyers who are, you know, went to super long schooling and are regulated and are responsible for whatever regulations that come out of that. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about, but you get what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Doctors, PAs, similar concept. The doctors, one with the malpractice insurance, PAs fall under the doctor even though PAs can do a lot of things similar to a doctor. You see where I'm going with Mm -hmm. this. We should have a name Uh. for somebody or a position 
that they can do something or get some kind of qualification to be an investigator adjacent that is maybe even like a little program or something, a search certification that then can be under that. And I would be willing to pay tax dollars for that. I would not only be willing to pay tax dollars, I would sign up for it because I would be one. (laughs) I would, I think it'd be very interesting and satisfying job to be a detective But at least in the state of California, Mm -hmm. to become a detective, you have to be a police officer first. Or a sheriff's deputy. Yeah, Mm -hmm. either or, which means patrolling and being out on the streets, which is not something that I want to do. Right. And I argue that one does not have to, they're not mutually inclusive. Like, right. Yeah. You don't, you shouldn't have to be one without the other. The skills of patrolling is not equal to the skills of investigating, True, in my opinion. So there's actually also a position, and I don't know if this is exactly the same, but lawyers um, also hire people who are called, it's called e-discovery, electronic discovery, which are the people who actually go out and do the research mm-hmm. and find these things. But it would be nice if it would be directly to the investigator themselves in an unbiased, not trying to prove, I mean, obviously trying to get the facts, but in a factual case finding way to bring that evidence to them. I, yeah, I hadn't really ever thought of it, but the way that you ex- just explained it now, I was like, that makes so much sense. Yeah. Like, why couldn't there be? And, you know, all of the like discussion and stuff nowadays of like what even is the role of law enforcement in a, you know, the 2020s. Yeah, you know, because really, it's a you? peace officer. Mm-hmm. At it's that's what I mean. A lot of them are associated, right? It's a peace mm-hmm. officer trying to keep the peace, make sure everybody's good, following the law, because we can't have no laws. And then mm-hmm. we have anarchy, and that doesn't work, as we've seen so far. <laughs> of course, that's a different argument, but you're right. There is a difference between a police officer day to day operation and an investigator. Mm-hmm. But the investigators can't do all of that on their own. They can't be the investigator who's going out questioning people and doing the case and getting more homicides take, put on them and the pressures of that, let alone living their life outside of their mm-hmm. day-to-day job, because it is a job at the end of the day, even though it is really important. Why can't they have more help mm-hmm. in a right, even if it is regulated, in a regulated mm-hmm. way that you don't have but, to be a police officer, but at least have yeah. a certification of some sort to find what they need. More eyes, more fingers on the web and everything else. Yeah, because, I mean, police departments hire non-sworn-in people. Yeah. So why couldn't they just be one of those Or even it's like a contractor at that Mm -hmm. point, but... I mean, let's make it ourselves. Fund the investigators. (laughs) Let's fund the... Let's fund the people, including the investigators... They, they're only single people. They can't do all of these on their own. Mm-hmm. And also making it proportional to where they work. You can't have like a couple investigators who are, yes, they're specialized. And I can see too how maybe the counter argument of like, who's going to manage all these people? Mm-hmm. Who's going to take, let's freaking create a whole department out of it. Let's like change this shit. Mm-hmm. You know, there needs to be change because that's not, that's unacceptable. We can't live in a, this is why we have our podcast because <laughs> we do live this life, mm-hmm. right? Now I'm like even a little more, now I feel way more justified for locking all my doors and like, yeah, you've got, I don't know, having pepper spray and, you know, learning self-defense and doing jujitsu and boxing and all that. Like you 100% have the right to protect yourself and survive and 
if we're going to freaking coexist with these monsters anyways, let's freaking like not. How do I even say that? No, I go. We don't need to coexist with monsters. Yeah, we just need to. I mean, it's just like we're in such like an advanced time period. Like, why isn't there like, why are we so dead set? No pun intended on like doing things the way they've always been done and also ignoring them from a layperson's mm-hmm. perspective. Like people get really of course like murder is uncomfortable. Death is uncomfortable, but guess what? When it's your own loved one, it's way worse than uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And it's like can you imagine like the victims' families are the ones that are having to make these podcasts, having to put it out on social media, having to get people like curious and like raising, Caring. you know, like why does it have to be like that? Yeah. Or why why feel weird for wanting to help and learn and mm-hmm teach and you know there's got to be a way that we can go about that mm-hmm. we found our calling sign <laughs> me up dude like and then that, that's like goes into the other thing because katie and i both have molecular backgrounds as well i've thought about this a lot like why can't we set up our own you know like like lab for setting like for testing rape kits mm-hmm. that are all these untested because that's i mean murder is horrible period rape is also horrible well because it's the same idea of like how many rapists are out there yeah and how many like you know things do we read of psychology of like how many rapists go on to murder or you know like elevated crimes yeah i mean and those who don't report rape for other reasons and you know that's that's an entirely different uh, episode that we're gonna record and we already have talked about it like that what happened to preventative? Exactly. Like, and then that at the same time, like obviously you have to teach, and I don't know how the psychology of like, obviously teaching people not to rape is obviously the most important. But if you had some sort of streamlined, like testing and it's like, boom, we know who it is for the rape every kid, at least, kid and then- gets tested, maybe. And that's widely known in public. Yeah. Maybe rape or attempted rapes go down because it's like, oh, that's like, really interesting. I'm going to get caught. That is a really interesting concept. Why aren't rape, not victims or survivors, excuse me. Why aren't rapists? on some kind kind of like the sex offender registry why isn't there a rapist registry yeah i mean i would assume if there's dna evidence that like they are convicted put, convicted rapists yeah do you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. could anyone find that out <laughs> i would think so but there's but like but it would be kind of helpful not that anyone is choosing to be with someone who is a rapist like known that's sorry, we are going on so many rabbit <laughs> holes. But do you get what I'm saying? Like I it would be so. it would be helpful to know. I feel like it would be helpful to know if my like my children one day were like going to college and there was like I don't know. That just goes into yeah. a whole other, other thing rights. Of, like can people like privacy and rights yeah. and all that, yeah. Hmm. Can people just stop being such like horrible monsters please to each other to their children to their parents to your students to your survivors patients stop being horrible to each other Mm -hmm. where does that start i know (laughs) with yourself 
Probably. You're taking an Enneagram test. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, man. But I think at least the thing we were saying before I went down the rabbit hole, <laughs> some kind of certification for that assistant to an investigator. Yeah. I could and, really do something. Yeah. Especially for more recent ones. And I don't think they're, well, I mean, whatever, but I personally don't think there's a whole lot of, I don't know what the right word is, liability or risk. I mean, there's always going to be, but of giving like really old cold case files to a selective like group of the public. Who wants to help, even if it is free of charge or for low cost or for whatever. Hell, put a price on it and then maybe like even more people would Mm -hmm. be willing to help. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's what maybe some of these websites like the Utah one and Project Cold Case, because you can go on and look at like cases highlighted and stuff. Um, I don't know if I, I, because we kind of like came back up on like a a high note. I don't know if I want to bring it back down. I mean, this is what it is. I will just say like briefly the story that actually I was telling my boyfriend about the episode we were going to do, and he Mm -hmm. told me kind of like the reverse one. And it kind of does show the danger of like online sleuthing and like the vibe of the internet was, I guess there was this young college student who had a history of very bad depression and he went missing and his family went to Facebook to ask for help and, you know, gave his background. If you like, you can, if you see him, please like, let us know, blah, blah, blah. Unfortunately for him, he was missing around the same time as the Boston Marathon bombing in 2013. Mm-hmm. And so Online Sleuth saw his picture and he looked, quote, like, ethnic enough to fit one of the suspects. Like, I guess they had, because I I never really followed that that closely. Yeah. But I think they had video surveillance of the people, you know, either dropping them off or running away from the scene. Um, And so people were starting to put him with one of the stills. Oh, no. And so at first it came, like, it started online as like, oh, well, you know, this guy kind of looks similar and he's missing to like news reporters, like putting it on as like he's wanted or like if you see him like it really escalated and I didn't find a correlation because he was suffering from really bad depression Mm -hmm. but a couple weeks after the Boston Marathon bombing he was found in the river and they um the investigators determined that it was from suicide so I mean I don't know if he... Like, is that because of... it Because of it or... Because he was missing a month before. Oh. So... Like, but he hadn't necessarily been in there for him, like, found, like, you know, passed for a month necessarily. Yeah. I didn't look into details, but I think from what I was reading, it did sound like he had committed suicide because of his depression and mental health issues, mm-hmm. not necessarily because finding out... Yeah. Um, online but that is a very big risk and those who are i mean in terms of like wrongly accusing of course sad for that man i didn't mean to pass on from that no no no. Um, but those who are in like the i forgot what the name of the podcast and also the um the group 
the Innocence Project. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Innocence Project. I don't know if there's a podcast, but I'm sure this podcast is dedicated to that um, about the Innocence Project and that that could be a real problem mm-hmm. if people do feel so certain and sure. But hey, make a regulation. The investigator has to look over everything themselves and determine this, you know. Yeah. And then going back to Billy Jensen's book, he recognized that aspect of it. And he said it's for him, he said names should never be posted publicly on these sites Mm -hmm. that if you do feel like, you know, you're an online investigator, you know, civilian, and you feel like you've come to a conclusion of someone like a suspect that should never be posted online and it should be taken directly to law enforcement. Right. But I mean, how do you regulate that? That's the the flip side. And how do you get law enforcement to take you seriously? Yeah. Because like, don't F with cats. They weren't taken seriously. They had a name. I mean. I still haven't seen that. I'm kind of scared because I like it's cats. gnarly. I, they don't show the actual death of the animals, but they show implied. the stuff leading up to it. And I couldn't. Yeah. It's awful. Yeah. Any animal, for that matter, any life, it's like, ugh. There's got to be a way, there's, like you said, today's day and age, there's got to be a way for us to see all of this, see the facts, see the stats, and do something about it. Yeah, I feel like we're, it's something that is feasible, and there's just smart people out there. I feel like we could figure it out. Yeah, there's a lot of people who want to be investigators and who want to help and who want to be involved. It's just probably a matter of finding the right people who do, who can't, who are on the inside, like Paul Holes, mm-hmm. you know, who can't, and, you know, even Billy Jensen, who has experience doing that and saying that it's okay. Mm-hmm. Like, we kind of need that reassurance that, you know, this can work. Mm-hmm. But without that support, it'll never get anywhere. Yeah. That's the unfortunate thing. Because mm-hmm. now you've got unions and mm-hmm. et cetera government money who will be the first government i mean what can what can ugh, i know i mean I, there's always something that can go wrong that's just our personality type if you haven't heard <laughs> <laughs> but i'm just like what like is it worse to have more help and the case is still technically cold than to have no help at all and it remains as is i think jensen talked about that too in mm-hmm. the my favorite murder podcast episode like that outweighs the, yeah. I always do measuring and mm-hmm. weighing out and I feel like it outweighs it. Yep. Something can be done. Mm-hmm. Mm. So. I feel like in a way there's still a positive, not that we're looking for toxic positivity, <laughs> but like there's still something that can be taken away from and that's kind of like, you know, you nailed it. Mm-hmm. There's something that can be done. Yep. And with enough publicity and those who are, I mean, Kudos to all the followers and listeners as well, because mm-hmm. publicity means nothing if no one's around to listen exactly. and react to that. Yep. The power always lies with the people. Mm-hmm. Our voices matter. Mm-hmm. Not in our, not in like a conceited <laughs> not like way. Me and you, like we, not Katie and Kylie, but yes, like the, the collective. collective. <laughs> you collective, we collective, all together collective mm-hmm. voices. Yeah, because that kind of made me mad, seeing how low the the case rates were. Yeah, and I can imagine, too, it depends on the type of case and mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. But it's another day for another episode. Maybe one day we'll structure it out and mm-hmm. present it to the 
I mean, there's so many different departments that could take this on. Mm-hmm. FBI, CIA, all the CIA is more international, but still FBI. Or if you wanted it to be an independent, we could be the lab, like the whole company is mm-hmm. whatever. It's like the excess. You need more manpower. You need more lab power. Mm-hmm. Like we can do it. We can bring that. We can train you. Even mm-hmm. though we're not, I mean, we have the lab training, just not the investigating training. Mm-hmm. I feel like a good investigator just has a, you know, the right mindset and heart for it too. Yep. Anyone can do it. Yeah. It's, I think you have to be more humble because I think sometimes like we'll hear cases where the ego gets in the way and it's like the person just wants to be right. Yeah. And they have a certain suspect in mind and yeah. then. You know, that bias of ignoring all other evidence. Yep. So. And I feel like you should just be able to, like, there's enough psychology and stuff. Like, how do you get those people? Mm -hmm. There has to be a way. Mm -hmm. Well, because not every single officer going in knows they're going to be an investigator. Yeah. So that's why I'm like, if you from the start are specially trained to only do this. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to worry about anything else from a law enforcement standpoint, Mm -hmm. you know. And that's where I think maybe, too, if it's independent, then you don't have that conflict of my buddy. Prosecution, yeah. Yeah. Like, he found, you know, the suspect or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Let's do it. So crazy. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, thanks for listening yeah, to thank us on you. our Soapbox I know. podcast. <laughs> we just solved all the problems. Oh, man. I know. And we are we are also the humble type that understand that's obviously we don't have all the answers. Yeah. Like, that's the easy, so that's the, like, quick fix. But that's not a real quick fix. It's just an idea that could get somewhere. Yes. And I think that really does have potential. Mm-hmm. I feel like that has, I don't want to say, I want to say girth, but that's not the right <laughs> word. <laughs> depth depth or something I mean, like that Ew, the word girth is just not right uh, you get what i mean yeah depth it does yeah and i mean how do you get you don't get to those ideas without ever talking about them so no. that's what we're here to do you have to talk we're about throwing uncom- stuff out yeah you have to talk about uncomfortable things to solve uncomfortable things uncomfortable things right mm-hmm. talk about it share it maybe it's already happening maybe we don't know maybe yeah. there's a secret society of investigators that Ooh. we don't know about in their underground call us <laughs> we'd like to know yeah we'd like to apply thank you i mean some podcasts when they get big enough they form their own like podcast network mm-hmm. we're just gonna form an investigative branch yeah oh my gosh and i was just gonna say there's also private investigators yes obviously that too. but those are those tend to be from what I've understood, more business driven. Yeah. Which is okay. Yeah. That's good. But talking like bigger scale. Mm-hmm. Hey, maybe it is just a private investigator certification. <laughs> maybe. I mean, to prove yourself. Yeah. And I then... mean, private, I've looked into private, being a private investigator is actually quite a bit of schooling too. Oh. So I wonder if there's something that we can even take from that mm-hmm. to make it more regulated. Because if you can have a private business. Yeah. Why can't we go and try to find the cold cases? Yeah. You mean I mean, the, we solve them. Solve them, yeah. <laughs> find them. I mean, we would have to find them first and then. I think there's enough. <laughs> yeah. 
But I mean, anything can be accomplished with a large enough group of people mm-hmm. who really care. And that is it. And that's how it not. And that's how it all started. <laughs> that's how we fix everything. No, we're not. We're not that sh- <sighs> small, short-sighted. No, but I do think. Yeah, you just have to get the people that care. Mm-hmm. The means. The right organization, the right time, the right tools. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Get on that. I know. We're like, fast forward. So I know. Who to talk to at what point and what time. That's a big dedication. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's win the lottery. Yeah. And then we can just dedicate all of our time, not worry about housing, mm-hmm. to doing that. So I also don't want to do like, you know nonprofit and then just give yourself big chunks of money to that's a whole other yeah conversation but it's like uh i can see why this is hard to do mm-hmm. i see i see but, but it can be done exactly and that's the point mm-hmm. dream big you're not paranoid <laughs> goodbye goodbye <laughs> have a great week here's how you can enter to be next week's winner During the episode, we shared this week's secret word. Did you hear it? Every Friday, we'll post a story on Instagram at You're Not Paranoid, and we'll ask you for the secret word. All you have to do is go to that Instagram story and reply with the week's secret word. Then you're officially entered to win the YNP sticker pin pack. Listen to the following Monday's episode, and if you hear your Instagram handle, then you're the winner of the week. The sticker pin packs are super rad, so get listening. Hey, we just wanted to let you know how much we appreciate your support. If you are enjoying the podcast and want to support us, give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, leave a review, and subscribe to our podcast. Every rating and review helps us grow our podcast and grow our community. Thanks again. 